Welcome to Living Word Ministries with director and Bible teacher, Debbie Blank. Each week, Debbie examines current events through the lens of end times Bible prophecies. Please visit our website for information and past programs at livingwordministry.org. Now let's open our Bibles to focus on truths from God's Word with Debbie Blank. Earlier this month, we saw another repeat of hundreds of rockets being shot into Israel by the Palestinians. I say another repeat because the Palestinians have fired tens of thousands of rockets at innocent Israeli citizens for over 16 years now. And again, I say fired at innocent citizens because they're not aiming at military establishments. They're just shooting rockets blind, wanting to hit anything they can in Israel. Fortunately, on this particular defense, Israel's defense system, the Iron Dome, shot down 97% of those rockets. So there were no fatalities in Israel, but the Palestinian people, several of them were killed due to their own rockets misfiring. My heart breaks for all the innocent Israelis and Palestinians. Their lives are disrupted. They've lost lives. They've been injured. All of this due to senseless violence. Yet, Jesus said these wars and rumors of wars would happen in the final days before his return. The difference this time are the players, the ones who orchestrated these rockets being fired. It's a new organization. I'm Debbie Blank, walking with you today through the history of these wars, the players involved, and why this is important for us to understand. And I'm co-host Jackie Sailors. Operation Breaking Dawn is the code name for the recent Israeli military operation against Gaza. After the arrest of a Palestinian resistance leader in the West Bank, Israel braced itself for an onslaught of rockets coming from Gaza and their plans to also attack Israeli buses, trains, and other civilian targets. The Palestinian-controlled area of Gaza is so close to some Israeli territory that Israeli men, women, and children can have as little as 15 seconds warning of a rocket attack to get to a bomb shelter. And although Gaza is a small area, it's densely populated with many groups who are part of a continual resistance against Israel. There's Hamas, the ruling group. Then there's Al-Aqsa Martyrs Brigade, the Democratic Front of Liberation of Palestine, the Palestine Liberation Organization, the Popular Resistance Committees, so many, including the Palestine Islamic Jihad. But this time, the Palestinian Islamic Jihad was taking direct orders from another country, an ancient enemy of Israel, which is predicted to come against Israel, according to end times Bible prophecy. Oh, and we're going to get into that today because it is so interesting to see how Bible prophecy is being played out. The Palestinian Islamic Jihad that you mentioned is funded, controlled, and empowered by Iran. Iran, as you know, and as you said, is the country who desires to wipe Israel off the face of the earth and then come after the big Satan, which is the United States. So we have a different player here. What makes it so interesting is that the Palestinians are Sunni Muslims and the Iranians are Shia Muslims. Now, they are like the Hatfield and the McCoys because they are so opposed to each other. They actually hate each other. They fight each other all the time. The Shia Muslims, primarily from Iran, comprise about 15% of all Muslims worldwide, whereas the Sunnis are about, give or take, 80%, and then there's other different factions of Islam. So the Shia Muslims are trying to infiltrate the 
Palestinian Sunni Muslims in order to support their cause, which Iran does. They support the Palestinian cause to destroy Israel and take over all the land. And so they're trying to do it through Sunni Muslims to build a relationship with them, even though they are diametrically opposed in their beliefs. The reason for the disagreement between the Sunnis and the Shias is because the Sunni Muslims believe that after Muhammad died, that the successor to Muhammad should have been Ali. And yet the Shias believed it should have been Baker. They fought all these years because of who the successor to Muhammad was. Let's look at a little bit of the history, the biblical history of this skirmish, because it goes a lot further back than recent years. The skirmishes between Israel and the Arabs actually started about 4,000 years ago with Abraham. God appeared to Abraham and told him to go into the land of Cana. Upon his arrival, God made a covenant with him out of Genesis chapter 12. I'm just going to read part of this covenant, but it says in verse 2, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the world shall be blessed. That means that the Messiah would come from his lineage. Then he went on in verse seven to say to Abraham, and the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to your descendants, I will give this land. So Abraham built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. So God promised Abraham a name and descendants and that the Messiah would come to him and the land of Israel. Well, God's covenant promise was then passed on through his son, Isaac. In Genesis 26, 3 and 4, we can see almost the exact wording that God gave to Abraham in chapter 12, but he passed it on to Isaac. And then God passed the same covenant on to Isaac's son, Jacob, in Genesis 28, 13 and 14. So we have the same worded, the same covenant. God made it clear. It went from Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Jacob was renamed Israel. So those are the Israelites. Now, Abraham had another son, actually a firstborn son, but this son was not born to his wife. It was born to his wife's maidservant, and his name was Ishmael. Ishmael would eventually be banished to Arabia because Sarah didn't want him around her own son. So God prophesied of Ishmael, he will be a wild donkey of a man. His hands will be against everyone and everyone's hand will be against him and he will live to the east of his brothers. That's from Genesis 16, 12. That means that you have two different heritages, both from Abraham's loins, but one would be the Jewish nation and one would be the Arab nation. Since then, the Arabs and the Israelites, well, they've been at odds with each other, much like the Sunnis and the Shias have been. It's been trouble ever since down to this very day so that you can see the division that's been carried out, and that's what we're going to be talking about today, is these groups that come from Ishmael are against the groups that come from Israel. So the nation of Israel is something that they don't want to see. They're totally against it, and it has those ancient uh, beginnings. And it's not just the nation Israel. It's the land, because the Palestinians want the land. That's the biggest disagreement between these two entities. Remember, God promised that land to Abraham in 2000 B.C., 4,000 years ago, they didn't take possession right away because the Jews went down to Egypt where God raised them up and to be a great nation. When they came back into the land 
Around 1400 B.C., under the leadership of Joshua, they took control of the land that God promised to Israel. As the time went on, Israel ended up losing control of their land to the Babylonians in 586 B.C. That means that Israel controlled that land for 800 years. And not only that, but God prophesied that they would come back to that land in the future because the Jews must be in their land in order for Jesus Christ to return. So many of the biblical prophecies of Christ's return have to do with the land of Israel and the people being in the land of Israel. Imagine our surprise in this world when on May 14, 1948, Israel became a nation again after 2,500 years of disbursement. They were able to do that because the United Nations made an agreement with the Israelis and the Palestinians living in that land that they would divide the land into two different sections. It was actually into several different sections, but these two entities would encompass all of these little sections that they were divided into. We have to understand that the Palestinians never controlled the land of Israel. They never had a country. They never had a government. They were called Palestinians because in 135 AD, Emperor Hadrian hated the Jews because of an uprising that they had perpetrated on the Romans. So he tried to get rid of them, and then he changed the name of the country to Syria, Palestinia which was shortened as time went on to Palestine. Therefore, anyone who lived in that land was called a Palestinian, Jew or Arab. But they never had a nation in that land. As a matter of fact, they didn't even have an organized Palestinian organization until 1964, when Yasser Arafat started the Palestine Liberation Organization. So their goal in their PLO charter said in 1964, and it's still true today, quote, armed struggle is the only way to liberate Palestine. Now, I say Palestine because even though it's the nation of Israel now, they still call it Palestine. They have Palestine on all of their maps. They don't have Israel. Then it goes on to say in their charter, this is the overall strategy, not merely a tactical phrase. The Palestinian Arab people assert their absolute determination and firm resolution to continue their armed struggle and to work for an armed popular revolution for the liberation of their country and their return to it. So they call Israel their country. And if you notice, just in that one part of the charter, they mentioned armed three times. So they have no desire to make a diplomatic agreement to take part of the land. They want it all. When people talk about the solution to this problem being a two-state solution, you're just talking about how they don't want a two-state solution. They want a one-state solution, and that state would be the state of Palestine, and the other state, Israel, would be gone. It would be driven into the sea. That's their goal, is to completely obliterate the nation of Israel and take over and and name it Palestine. As you said, there was never a country there. It was the name of the land. that It was given the land. I remember saying something about the Palestinian Philharmonic Orchestra and a Palestinian newspaper back before Israel got its independence, because as you said, Jews and Palestinians were called Palestinians just because of the land, not because it was ever a country. There was never a government. There was never a president. None of that. In fact, Arafat came in. I think his heritage is Egyptian, but this was a political thing, a political coup for him with a violent strategy. 
when they talk about going back to pre-1967 lines, which is essentially 1948 lines, they never accepted the 1948 lines. Immediately, they went to war against Israel. I don't see how they would ever want to go back to that. I think that's just a ploy. Getting back to their armed struggle for this, we've seen it play out. We saw it in the first and second Intifada, which took place from 1987 to 1993, and then again from 2000 to 2005. That's 11 years of fighting the Israelis. And the Israelis simply protected themselves. They didn't go after the Palestinians. Then there was a war with the PLO in Lebanon. Now that's where they fought back and forth from 82 to 85. There have been four wars from the Gaza Strip fighting the Israelis by sending in rockets. And that's from 2008 to 2021, as well as the latest skirmish that we've seen. So that's what they want to do is fight Israel to take control of their land. Palestinians have been offered not only the land in 1948, but they were also offered 97% of what they want to be a nation. They were offered that by Israel twice around 2000 and 2006, and they turned it down both times because it wasn't 100% of the land. The bottom line is that's what they want is 100% of the land. So we have players now. You mentioned numerous players at the opening of this, but the primary ones that we see in the West Bank and the Gaza Strip, which are the Palestinian areas that Israel has allowed the Palestinians to live in and control The first player is the Palestinian Authority. Well, this Palestinian Authority, as I said, never has been a nation, never was even in existence until 1964. The state of Palestine, which they call themselves now, isn't officially a state. They just have named themselves that. Actually, Arafat named them that in 1988, and they've been continually using this, trying to get people to recognize them as a state. And then... In 1994, the Oslo Accords allowed the Palestinians to govern parts of the West Bank and the Gaza Strip. So it hasn't been long, but they've been taking control. In 2005, Israel gave up control of the Gaza Strip by evacuating all the Jews who lived in the Gaza Strip so that that particular area could strictly be a Palestinian area. The hope was that they would build it to an oasis on the Mediterranean because it's a beautiful part of land and it's right on the Mediterranean Sea. But instead of doing that, the Hamas Palestinian terrorist organization took control in 2007 and it's been nothing but a terrorist enclave ever since. So getting back to the Palestinian organization before we start talking about Hamas, their military arm is known as Fatah. And that means victory through jihad. Whenever you have the word jihad, you mean fighting, armed resistance, which is what it says in their charter. And that's what they have experienced. Keep in mind that the Palestinians don't recognize Israel as a nation. And they even promote hatred in their schools against all the Jews. So the Palestinians are growing up hating the Jews. So those disagreements are continuing They have been exemplified by these resistance movements and these organizations. And so um, we have Arafat, who died in 2004, and then Mahmoud Abbas was elected in 2005. 
to a four-year term. And I remember a few years ago, it must have been five years ago, we talked about um, a boss serving the 12th year of his four-year term. So it must be like 17 years now. So um, it's uh, not exactly the kind of democracy and elections that we look at here because he's really just essentially been the leader for life, so to speak. But he's getting older. We don't know who's in line to take over. We kind of know what to expect from a boss, but I don't know who will replace him when the time comes. Well, the United States and others were hoping that when Mahmoud Abbas took control, that he would work with Israel and actually develop a peace process. But he never has. So we can assume that his successor probably will not also. Well, the reason Mahmoud Abbas is in his umpteenth year of a four-year presidency is because he didn't want to have elections. When they had elections the last time, Hamas won control of the Gaza Strip. Hamas has become more and more powerful in the West Bank. He's afraid if they have elections, the Hamas will take over the West Bank also. So who's Hamas? Hamas started out being the military arm of the Gaza Strip, but once they gained control, they are now the governing organization in the Gaza Strip. They were formed in 1987 as an offshoot of the Muslim Brotherhood, and they fought Israel ever since. Their covenant of 2012 asserts without equivocation that, quote, the Palestinian problem is a religious problem, adding that there can be no solution except through jihad. So they see it as a Muslim versus a Jew problem, and they're going to fight jihad to gain control of Israel. So they have the funds from Gaza, and that means the funds from the taxes and from the imports and the money that Israel gives them to pay for electricity and other things, and not to mention all the other Arab countries that support them. So instead of building a beautiful infrastructure in that area, they're developing rockets, and they're building a terrorist organization to try and destroy Israel. Part of those funds come from Qatar, and part of them come from Iran, as well as the other places that I've mentioned. Now, the United States has listed them as terrorist organization because that's exactly what they are. And the poor people that live in that area, they don't have jobs unless they work for the government, which means they become a terrorist. It's a very debilitated area where they have a huge amount of unemployment and people don't have the means or the ability to work because the government isn't building infrastructure at all to support that economy. And when they do that and they keep the people impoverished because all the money is going toward their terrorist operations, then they blame Israel. And the Western countries blame Israel. And they say, look at how they're keeping these poor people in this constant refugee status. Usually, once a generation dies off, the next generation isn't considered a refugee anymore. But in this particular case, the world recognizes continual refugee status for generation after generation and blames Israel for that. Well, we get to this latest skirmish, and what makes it different is it wasn't Hamas that was shooting rockets into Israel. It was a Palestinian Islamic Jihad. Now, this is a relatively new organization, at least with control in the Gaza Strip. They were formed in 1981 in Egypt, again as an offshoot of the Muslim Brotherhood. But their influence and their ideology comes directly from the Islamic regime in Iran. So these are Palestinians who have ties to Iran. They penetrated the Gaza Strip in 1987, but they're just a minor point. Maybe 10% of the people in the Gaza Strip belong to the PIJ. But 
This time, they were funded by Iran. Iran is mad at Israel because of some of the things Israel has done against Iran recently. So the PIJ decided they were going to shoot rockets into Israel. Also consider, as you said earlier, that Israel arrested one of the PIJ leaders in northern West Bank because they have a large group that are funded and organized in that part of Israel. Once Israel arrested them, they knew skirmishes were going to come about, and they found out from this leader some of the things that were going to happen. So Israel took a proactive stand, and they pretty much killed all of the leaders of the Palestinian Islamic Jihad. Well, in the process of all of that, then the PIJ shot 1,100 rockets into Israel. As I said, they didn't do any damage, really, but they killed a lot of their own people in the process. So now we have this group in the West Bank. However, I got to tell you that the Hamas was pretty excited that the PIJ did that because Israel then killed most of their leaders, which puts Hamas in charge and in control again. So we have a unique situation here where we have all these new Islamic organizations that are full of a desire to destroy Israel. They're growing and they're gaining in power and Israel is going to continue to have to protect themselves. One of the things I noticed as we talked about several of these groups, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, we talked about Arafat, we talked about Iran, uh, the Sunnis, the Shias, all of them are talking about how this is a religious obligation to return the land back to the Palestinians, to return the land back to Islam. And once they've occupied a land, they consider it theirs forever, and they have to get rid of Israel. That's just... It's not something that they can compromise on. So sometimes people in the West think, well, why can't they just get together and they can live peacefully side by side? And sometimes, you know, they'll, their side will give lip service to that. Oh, yes, that's what we want. But it's all just a step in the direction of taking over that land completely and getting rid of Israel, which is what Bible prophecy talks about as well, doesn't it? It does. You said that the Muslims, once they, once they control the land, they believe it's always their land. Well, we have to make a distinction between the Arabs and the Muslims because about 93% of Arabs are Muslims, but not all of them. Some of them are Christians, some of them are agnostics, but most of them are Muslims. But Muslims are a religion. Arabs are nationality. So we've already talked about the heritage of the nationality of the Arabs, but let's go back to Islam. When Muhammad started Islam in the 7th century AD, he ended up taking control of Saudi Arabia and many of the countries in the Middle East. And then his followers ended up going all the way over to Spain, gaining control of that land. And one of the places they gained control of was Israel. As a matter of fact, the Dome of the Rock was built in the late 7th century as a mosque for the Muslims. So they've had control of Israel, the Muslims had, on and off since that time. After the initial Muslims took control, then you had a bunch of different sects of the Muslims who took control. Then the Crusaders came in for a period of time, but that was short-lived to control the land of Israel. After that, you had the Mamluk Muslims from Egypt who controlled the land. Then the Ottoman Turks. It wasn't until 1917, after World War I, that the Islamic control of the land of Israel ended. So the Muslims controlled by several different entities the land of Israel from the end of the 7th century to the uh, beginning of the 20th century. 
That's a long time. So when the Arabs are claiming control or a history in the land, they had none except just simply descendant after descendants as the Jews did in the land. But their heritage that they're claiming really is a religious heritage because they're saying that the Muslims controlled that land from the seventh century forward. Therefore, that land belongs to them. Well, again, there's a difference. Arabs are nationalities. Muslims are a religion. So what they're doing is they're bringing in their nationality and their religion into one. And if you talk with a converted Muslim, they will tell you that you can't separate your religion from your politics, from your nationality in Islam. All is one. So this is really a religious war. The skirmishes between the Arabs and the Jews actually started about 50 years before they actually became a nation. It was right after World War I. So the modern day skirmishes are a religious war. Now, the Israelis are not going after the Muslims or the Arabs because they have a different religious belief. They don't try and destroy the Christians either. They just want their own country where they can worship as Jews freely. But the Muslims have a different point of view. It's not the Palestinians as much as it is the Muslim aspect of it, the jihad. So we have to understand that significance because it's one thing having an ideological disagreement. It's another one having a religious one because the Uh, religious Muslims that are fighting these wars will not change their minds and they will not compromise. For them, it's all or nothing. You have to admire that because as Christians, I wish that we would stand up for all or nothing when it comes to the truth of the Bible. But the Muslims are doing that and Israel is the one who's suffering the consequences. So the bottom line is, Jesus said there were going to be wars and rumors of wars until he returns. And boy, have we seen them in Israel since they became a nation in 1948. I mean, dozens of skirmishes and wars and suicide bombings and even balloons being shot into Israel with fire in them to destroy the land. There's no foreseeable possibility that these groups are going to be able to come together and compromise in a peaceful solution. Now, that being said, perhaps the establishment of the Antichrist in Daniel 9, 27, perhaps this is the type of peace agreement that he will make, because in our eyes, it's impossible unless God intervenes or unless the Antichrist takes control and is able to do that. So I tell you, learn the truth about the Palestinians, not just the sound bites that you're hearing. Learn what their goals are. Learn what they're trying to do. Don't listen to the lies and the innuendos that are coming out from the press about them. Look to the facts. Find out the truth and realize that Israel is God's land. The Jews are God's chosen people. He is coming back for them to establish his millennial reign with them in their land. They are very important to Jesus, so they must be important to us. That's why we need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and also for the salvation and protection of these innocent Israelis and Palestinians. And I want to encourage you also, if you want to hear more about these wars and rumors of wars, to join us on September 8th, Thursday night from 7 to 9 at Redeemer Church 
13831 Industrial Road, where we will have a night talking about Bible prophecy, and my topic is going to be wars and rumors of wars. Jan Weil will speak on the Antichrist and the One World Government, and then most of the time's open for your questions and answers. So we encourage you to join us that night, and in the meantime, be praying for Israel, be reading the Bible to understand God's plan for Israel, and seek out the truth, not the sound bites. Thank you for joining us today on Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank. This is a listener-supported show. If you'd like to support this program or contact Debbie Blank, you may do so at P.O. Box 540-003, Omaha, Nebraska, 68154, or visit our website at livingwordministry.org. Please tune in each week at this same time for Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank.